ukulele. Once a novelty instrument from Hawaii is one of the hottest instruments in music. Even Eddie Vedder plays the ukulele. WMNF's 8th Annual Ukulele Festival, Saturday, December 2nd at Cage Brewing in St. Pete. Doors open at 2, kids 12 and under free. For tickets and info, go to WMNF.org or 813-238-8001. You are tuned to WMF Radio 88.5 FM in Tampa, and this is the public affairs program called Community Speaks. I'm your host, Patro Mobili, here on Community Speaks, and of course, this is an opportunity for you and I to sit and talk about what is happening in the world, taking your telephone calls and your emails. You can call us at 813-239-9663, or you can write me. DJ at WNF.org because today we want to talk about some weighty issues. Question is, what do U.S. citizens think about democracy? A new survey suggests many Americans do not believe the U.S. will be a democracy in another 20 years. And also, despite reduction, the reduction of inflation, why are many Americans still feel some type of way about the economy? And today, we can delve deep into your attitudes about these two overarching issues, the economy and democracy itself. It has been pretty clear to any political observer that the biggest threat to democracy has been from the right-wing Republican efforts to limit referendums and challenge, you know, referendums that challenge their pet issues and the extreme gerrymandering that has diluted and disenfranchised Democratic districts and increased Republican representation. We saw that especially here in Florida during the midterm elections as those elections went south for many Republicans, mostly because of the abortion issue and uh, went the other way in Florida because of gerrymandering and the total manipulation of politics in this state. Uh, But Vanessa Williamson from the Brookings Institute boils it down to two major forms of democratic erosion, election manipulation and executive overreach. And as we watch the results overseas, especially in places like Argentina, where Javier Malay has come to win the election, uh, won Argentina's presidency, uh, and he's Trumpian-like, you know, he's like a Trump wannabe in that the reactionary voters voters have reacted to economic decline and the corruption that has been happening in Argentina for the longest time. So they react to the right wing. And so this populist has won the Argentina's presidency and he calls himself a anarcho-capitalist, whatever that means. And uh, sounds like capitalism in general, uh, but this is, he's a self-described anarcho capitalist and uh, wears his mop of hair in the same way and uh, he's furiously, he's been furiously denouncing the political cast on his television programs. He's basically uh, got voters in his base reacting to theatrics, much of what we've seen here. But this guy in Argentina, he's calls himself a libertarian economist and he started to outline 
some of his planned policies and um, has been raising a lot of ruckus uh, in that country, but, you know, across the Americas and in the world as we see voters reacting in this way. And uh, we talk about the erosion of democracy, but I want to talk to you about these these things today as we look at the world around us and uh, our friend Irene is back and she's here. It stands ready to take your telephone calls if you will call us and uh, engage, start a conversation so that we could talk about the attitudes about the economy and about democracy. But I mentioned Vanessa Williamson's at the Brookings Institute, and I thought that what was written in a recent study, a survey that tries to track attitudes in the United States as the United States is experiencing these two forms of democratic erosion in its governing institute. As I said, Vanessa Williamson calls it election manipulation and executive overreach. And um, we've seen that play out quite starkly here in this state as democratic people, uh, people who have been democratically elected have been suspended from their jobs by an overreaching governor who feels like uh, there is no rhyme and reason to suspend somebody just because he doesn't like them is enough and doesn't like something that was said is enough to carry out this ultimate tool that he claims he has uh, constitutionally in the state. But experts agree that the health of the U.S. democracy has declined in recent years. And the question has become, what does that mean? The United States uh, is experiencing a lot of election manipulation. As we've seen recently, as women have tried to reaffirm the abortion uh, rights and reproductive rights over their own body, even in red, red states like Ohio, we've seen people use the ballot initiative, the referendum initiative, to uh, send a message that we want to protect, women want to protect their reproductive rights and want those protected in the states. And we are going to see during the election that a lot of people want federal protection uh, because of what the Supreme Court has done, the Supreme Court that was stacked by the last president, the reactionary president, then uh, this president that wants only to respond to a base of voters, not all voters. And so we've seen the referendum process be utilized, even in ruby red states, so that the voters could have a can re, have their power and their voice empowered to restore reproductive rights, even in states like Kansas and Ohio. So we're going to see people trying to continue to use their referendum as their voice, as their voice of empowerment to go and fight the reactions, the reactionary power of what we've seen happen, these uh, election manipulations. And what we've seen is Republicans try to limit the people's access to referendum, people's access uh, abilities, even in this state, to... uh, have their voice. We've seen Republicans try to find ways of limited, limiting referendum. We've seen that happen here in the state of Florida when um, uh, marijuana was put on the ballot. So the, the rule became you have to have more than just a simple majority 
to decriminalize marijuana in the state of Florida. So we came just two measly percentage points away from that 60% needed. So that was not passed. The voice of the people was not uh, utilized, was not able to empower themselves through the referendum process. But we're going to see another attempt here in this state. But as I said, a lot of people have seen, have noticed that the voice of the people is diluted by an entrenched power structure in this state. And it is raising a lot of questions as to how democratic this country is going to remain. A lot of young people have a lot of, uh, they, they are idealistic, but do not believe that they're those who are willing or going to protect democracy in this country of all places. The United States has seen substantial expansion of executive power and serious efforts to erode the independence of civil service against these pressures. The gridlocked and hyperpartisan Congress is poorly equipped to provide unbiased oversight and accountability of the executive. And there are serious questions about the impartiality of the judiciary. So what is meant by democratic decline? And globally, it is increasingly a rate for uh, it's increasingly rare for any authoritarian to come to power via a coup. Instead, democracies in decline usually experience a slow but steady erosion. The process is often incremental and episodic. Each step is only partial. There can be intermediate moments of apparent stability or equilibrium. And this is in the words of political scientists such as David uh, Davis Black and Stephen Levitsky, they said the electoral road to breakdown is dangerously deceptive. People still vote. Elected autocrats maintain a veneer of democracy while eviscerating its substance. And many government efforts to subvert democracy are legal, quote unquote, in the sense that they are approved by the legislature or accepted by the courts. And we've seen, we're seeing, we're witnessing this type of erosion take place right before our very eyes. Uh, we're going to talk more about, this is a, specifically about a, a survey by the Brookings Institute that I've been reading from, uh, but these political scientists use a variety of terms to describe this phenomenon, including, as I said, democratic erosion, but also democratic backsliding or democratic regression and autocratization and whatever the terminology democratic decline has ramifications throughout society it is associated with certain changes in public attitudes including vilification of the members of the opposing party and widespread misinformation and last week a lot of people have been responding we've been hearing the word fascist thrown around a lot more as people have noticed the language that they're hearing from the right in this country, and of course, the 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 behavior of some of these governors who have been manipulating the their jobs in the states, uh, but the use of the term vermin by the ex president on the campaign trail, who's trying to be president again, is this extermination language that we've heard during the age of the Nazis, and people are concerned that this language is being used again to dehumanize people. And that's another step on the road to uh, a proclivity towards violence, political violence in this country. So everybody has seen 
examples of this happening in the United States. And it's time we talk about it. It's time we take a, a serious look at just what we are allowing to happen and um, people politically trying to take advantage of disenchantment, uh, disenchantment with the economy and with the state of democracy in general. But I want to hear from you as we got a few other surveys I want to go over and talk to you about and some other news stories. 813-239-9663 is the number to call. We also see uh, no oversight of the police, and uh, that has long been a problem. And we've seen, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, about uh, the death of a 53-year-old black man at a traffic stop in Georgia, he was, um, his name was Leonard Cure, and he was exonerated after spending years in prison. He finally was exonerated and let out, but he got killed in Georgia at a traffic stop by a police officer uh, who he shocked him with a taser. And then, you know, this uh, officer uh, ended up shooting him in Camden County. Buck Aldridge is on administrative leave for doing that. But this officer, Buck Aldridge, has had a history of excessive force. And uh, a lot of critics blame the sheriff for overlooking these histories of these cops and putting them right back on the street and in the face of the public where these guys can continue to kill and be protected and not come to justice. So I just wanted to update that story that this... uh, the news of this officer who killed Leonard Cure at a traffic stop uh, has had a history of, of excessive force. And we see that quite often in this country. Um, 813-239-9663, because I see that many of you are calling. And as I said, we're talking about your attitudes, the decline in democracy and your attitudes towards an economy, despite the fact that there's been some erosion of inflation in this country. Some people want complete deflation, and we can talk about further what that means. Uh, but it has not translated into good feelings and good vibes about this economy, despite how far we have had to fight to get out of inflation, to fight the ravages of endless wars, especially the trade wars and we're trying to see light at the end of the economic tunnel, but a survey shows that most of you Americans don't feel the <laughs> they you don't you're not sharing in the prosperity, and that's the feeling right now. So we could really delve deeper into why that is as we turn to the telephone lines. Uh, we talk more about voter attitudes as well as economic attitudes in this moment. 813-239-9663. Join me, Patrick O'Reilly, here on Community Speaks. I'm going to go to Gary in St. Pete and start with you, Gary. You're the first to uh, join me here on Community Speaks so that we could It was always like gauge. the first or second uh, uh, dude in the lineup, never smacked homers, but always got on base. Thank you very much, and I enjoy your input with Walter every Sunday. Oh, thank you, Gary. Long-time listener, just a 70-year-old, retired combat veteran that is just 
got so much to say, but I'll try to limit it because everybody has their chance. Mm-hmm. The state of our nation is a disgust. I believe, I firmly, in my stupid ass, stupid opinion, I, I apologize. Um, Trump is an agent of Russia. He had big, huge notes that came due during these last few years, same with China, but um, anything you can do to help erode the fabric of our nation is what this man is out to do and accomplish. Some of my dearest friends, they don't see this that way. You know, uh, Trump is a sign from God. Jeez. Uh, you know, uh, you know, Right. More, That's what they claim. <laughs> State of Florida, DeSantis, this critical race crap. Mm-hmm. You know, the story of Frederick Douglass should be mandatory readings in our Mary school. And again, you know, just to, for a brush up in a middle school and on to high school. An incredible human being, an American. You know, Frederick Douglass is a made up name that he made up from a slave name. Mm hmm. Uh, a remarkable human being. So yeah. that, this critical race crap is just that. Uh, the attack on the folks of different uh, sexual uh, orientation. Mm-hmm. It has always existed. Always. And so you just want to legislate them away? Yeah, I guess because they don't have any answers for... The economy, they have to engage in culture wars. They have to scapegoat somebody to keep us distracted. You know, I've always admired your your internet. You hit the nail on the head. Yeah, yeah. We got real problems. But our leaders are obsessed with social architecture. Mm -hmm. If you fall outside of the blueprint, well, you're screwed. Savvy? You know what I'm trying to express here, sir? Yes, sir, Gary. I hear you. I feel you. I I understand exactly because, you know, it's it's important that you you speak truth to power and let them know that this is no longer going to work, just as those voters did on the abortion issue in Kansas and in Ohio, rather. Oh, let's help, man. Let's help. There's enough people with common sense. But I can't find it in my everyday life, you know? I've had black people sit at my desk when I worked before I retired and praised Trump. I just, I don't get it, man. It's the theatrics. I'm pretty sure that's all it was. You know, he was on television. He was the apprentice. And he was able to fool a lot of people into thinking that he was just this this wealthy guy who understood business. And when he really was just scheming and not paying his taxes and and uh, misrepresenting his his wealth. I was a high school dropout, but when I went into the army, um, I ended up uh, getting an exposure to college and ended up graduating with honors from mm-hmm. USF and FSU. In my senior year in college, I was uh, the lieutenant governor's personal um, uh, let me say, what's the word? Uh, it's voluntary. They don't pay you like minimum wage. I, I can't think that now. But anyhow, oh, I'm listening to you. And I can't um, um, Bob Graham was the uh, governor, and uh, Wayne Nixon was the lieutenant governor. I set up the rabbit ears for Bob Graham in his office mm-hmm. so we could watch 
Ronald Reagan's first inauguration. And I'm sitting in the leather chair, you know, getting the view of what I just messed with with the rabbit ear. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, his beautiful female aide calls out, Gary, the governor's here, get up. And he walks over to the chair and he puts his hand on my shoulder. Stay here, stay here. So we watched this inauguration, uh, 15, 20 minutes of it, with his hand on my shoulder. You know, so I was really tense. You know, the governor of Florida, Bob Green. Anyhow, uh, somebody came in and said that uh, the governor has some meetings, so and so. He's got to get out and blah, blah, blah. And so he said, You did a good job, Gary. And I said, Thank you, sir. There's one thing I'd like to share with you. I cannot believe America elected an athlete. And he put his hand, he put me like two feet from each other. And he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, Oh, you just wait to see what's coming. <laughs> well, being back in my 30s back then, uh, I really didn't give that too much thought. Until this SOB, Trump, shows up. I yeah. understand. Yeah. I understand. And if you look the word Trumpery up in the dictionary, everyone should do this. Look that word up. It fits this man perfectly. Hmm. He's a sham. He's a disgrace. He's just And so many Americans have just fallen in love with this stuff. There's one more thing, if I may. We have primarily been a two-party system here. The Republican collapse has left a huge void in these two parties. I know there's a lot of talk about having a third party. Well, we've had the Green Party. We've had, we've had parties. Mm-hmm. But they just don't seem to take root like Donald Trump has. And we are doing ourselves as a nation. We're doing ourselves in by believing in BS. Yeah. This is mass media. I mean, uh, you know, the online internet. You know? Yeah. I mean, students going to college do research going to Wikipedia. You know, we used to go to <laughs> uh, encyclopedias. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. You know, anybody can write in anything about anything and then get posted on Wikipedia. Right. And right there, there's a weak spot. And uh, it's like we are bit by bit by bit, we're eroding. And that's the point. Many, yeah. of them, many of them just full of crap, you know, or Thomas Jefferson had many of his slaves and so forth. But he wrote words of wisdom. But you mm. know what I'm saying here. Um, I guess I should just. No, yeah, I think you said it quite well. So much time. And um, thank you very much for the opportunity to vet with people. Yeah, I believe share common perspectives. I think thank so too. Thank you, Gary. If I may, one more thing. Mm-hmm. You know why we're all brothers and sisters on this globe? You know really why? Is my opinion, and this is a fact, Jack. I don't care what your race is, what your ethnicity is, all of it. Amongst us, we have blood types where one is a universal donor. Any human being on this earth that needs blood, right. that person's blood will be accepted. Then on the flip side of that coin, there are universal recipients. If that person needs blood, that person can take any kind of blood that's given to them. 
It's because of that trait. Biologically speaking, you know, it's a bad jab. That's why on this globe, we are all brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. That's the way to get back to get back to our humanity. And I think, you know, that will be what it takes. Thank you, Gary, for that call. 813-239-9663. Gauging your attitudes about the economy and about democracy itself. And as Gary was pointing out, a lot of this is happening because of the political leaders in one party, particularly the Republican Party, has allowed this uh, this theatric this theatrical agent to come and take over the party and uh, I think they've built a monster that they can't control at this point uh, but that is exactly how part of the uh, backsliding occurs it's the choice of political leaders not a sudden groundswell of authoritarianism in the general population and I think that's something that we could at least hang our hat on but as more people respond to the theatrics uh, and not someone who's committed to resolving problems and increasing peace on the earth and creating a future in which we all are participating, uh, then, you know, this is exactly what we get is is some kind of a uh, charlatan. And we've seen that here and we've seen that last night in Argentina uh, where because of economic decline, in their opinion, and the long history of corruption has led them to follow behind someone who's calling himself an anarcho-capitalist in hopes that his ideas would solve the problem. Uh, but there are a lot of issues in which people have been weighing in on. And like I said, one of the issues, the economy, why Americans feel gloomy, about the economy, but despite falling inflation and low unemployment, we'll see the same kind of embrace of the same theatrical agent in Trump, even though we've seen his presidency. We've seen what he's capable of. We've seen what he will do uh, and has done. We've seen him share secrets with people who came to Mar-a-Lago from around the world and no, no telling what that has done to weaken uh, the military readiness or whether or not even that has something to do with why Israel was able to be attacked in the way it was since some of the military secrets that was in those classified documents had something, uh, some information about Israel's readiness, military readiness. So, you know, these are burning questions, uh, people doing what they want to do to maintain pro, uh, power, but not solving problems. Uh, but inflation, as I said, has reached its lowest point in two and a half years. The unemployment rate has stayed below 4% for the longest stretch since the 1960s. And the United States economy has repeatedly defied predictions of a coming recession. And yet, according to a raft of polls and surveys, most U.S. citizens hold a dim view, gloomy view of the economy. And the disparity has led to real confusion and exasperation and curiosity on social media and in opinion columns. But many factors lie behind 
this disconnect apparently, but economists increasingly point to one in particular, and that is the lingering financial and psychological effects of the worst bout of inflation in four decades. In other words, what we've been through has really shaped our attitudes about what we're going to go through. Uh, but the disconnect poses a political challenge for those who are in power and trying to fight against charlatans who are trying to take advantage of people's uh, limited knowledge or their gloomy attitudes. Uh, the lingual financial psychological effects of this inflation, despite steady cooling of inflation over the past year, a lot of goods and services are still far higher than they were just three years ago. So we're still trying to dig out of the pandemic. Uh, and a lot of the stimulus has been spent. A lot of the, even the revenge traveling that was taking place immediately after uh, the pandemic, that's over for a lot of people right now. So people are trying to rebuild their savings. and uh, But in the meantime, a lot of workers did find a newfound power during this pandemic as it became clear that employees needed workers and they needed to pay workers in order to retain workers. And they also needed to be flexible with hours and whether or not people can work from home and whether or not you're going to work four days rather than five days uh, because the new reality was sped up as a result of the pandemic, realities that were already underway in terms of the productive forces in U.S. companies. A lot of people were demanding these type of changes anyway, and it, it's, it got accelerated because of that. So we're still trying to navigate this brave new world. A lot of the capitalists want to force people back to the office so that they can be watched more closely and probably not allow them to be in a position where they could unionize. They could work on unionization efforts. So they want people back at work so they can be watched more closely. And that's probably having some effect on people's uh, view towards the immediate future as it, turn, as it relates to work and the economy. I'm going to go back to the telephone lines, 813-239-9663. I want to gauge your attitudes about the economy and about democracy itself. Go ahead, Josh from Clearwater. You're on Community Speaks. You say what? Yeah, I just uh, love your show. I just wanted okay. to say that um, I was enjoying myself on Friday night this week, and I was with two individuals at the table. And I think their comments relate to what you're fishing for. They're both about to turn 40, and one was a woman that uh, has to give up her teaching career because her teaching career no longer provides her with the income to have a home here in Tampa Bay, Florida. And another individual is about to turn 40. He's talking about moving to Columbia because he can't buy a home. And um, I just thought that, hearing street comments like that is a very good gauge of how like a whole generation is looking at their government. It's not working for them. Right. And I just wanted to share those comments and that's all. Right. Well, I suppose I thank you, Josh. Thank you for that. And uh, I think that's, that's interesting, especially on the part of the home. And we look at 
Florida because we see a governor that's been so busy running for president and running a a, a, a presidency out of Florida that that's probably going to continue if he drops out of the presidential race and continue to come back here and deal with federal issues, issues that are in the purview of the president as opposed to solving problems of the state uh, and home ownership, especially because it, the inability of people to get uh, insured home insurance in the state anymore. And the insurer last resort, which is citizens insurance that's guaranteed by taxpayers is overwhelmed at this point since so many people had to run to that one outlet because the, you know, capitalist agenda here was to, since we don't want to be in a position of having to pay out claims, especially because of flooding and, and hurricane damage, we're just not going to write flood plans in Florida for homeowners. We're just going to ignore Florida altogether. And so, you know, what is going to be the response economically to that uh, for this governor who's more interested in theatrics? Uh, but like I said, so many issues are coming to bear on people that state governments need to be responding to. That's particularly true for some of the goods and services that Americans pay most frequently. Bread, beef and other grocery items, apartment, rents and utilities. And every week or month, consumers are reminded of how far prices have risen. So you may have saved on one sector, uh, but of course, you know, nobody's going to tell a landlord what they can and cannot charge. Uh, and a lot of people, like I say, we don't want inflation, uh, but they want deflation. But what is that? It's a widespread drop in prices. Typically makes people and companies reluctant to spend and therefore that isn't desirable. Deflation is not desirable. Instead, economists say the goal is for wages to rise faster than prices so that consumers still come out ahead. That would be one of the best outcomes. So how inflation-adjusted incomes have fared since the pandemic is a complicated question because it's difficult for just one metric to capture the experiences of roughly 160 million Americans. But adjusted for inflation, median weekly earnings those in the middle of the income distribution have risen just two-tenths of a percent a year from the final three months of 2019 through the second quarter of this year. So that could be, uh, that could be responsible for a lot of the attitudes. That, that's a meager gain and has left many people in this country feeling that they have made little financial progress. Uh, 813-239-9663 has a, Story, one person from right here in Tampa has been um, used as an example. She's a 40-year-old single mother here in Tampa, and inflation slowed down, hasn't made it easier to make ends meet, and her rent jumped 15% in May over the summer to keep her electricity bill down. She kept her air conditioning off during the day despite the blistering heat. So, you know, she felt the need to cut back on groceries even though a 16-year-old son and a 10-year-old daughter at the age they're eating everything in front of them. And don't I know that? <laughs> uh, but this is a, a problem when you look at, at micro level, what people are going through. She's a call center representative with a company that handles customer service for Medicare and the Affordable Care Act health plans. And she got a raise up to $18.21 an hour. That was two years ago. 
but it wasn't much of an increase. She doesn't even remember how large it was. Uh, she took a part in a one-day strike against her employer, who's Maximus. You know, a lot of Maximus employees here have gone on strike to show their disdain for the lack of the in, the keeping up of wages with that company. This is the call center that handles, like I said, Affordable Care Act health plans. And she and her coworkers are seeking higher wages and more affordable health insurance for themselves. And um, this is, you know, it's a contradiction when this is something you help people with on the phone every day, but for yourself, it's hard to, to achieve. Uh, that's the company called Maximus. We're going to hear more about that. Uh, but including, like I said, workers found themselves more empowered in the pandemic, but we have, there were people who were trying to make it harder for people to be unionized. Uh, the teachers union have been hit. Uh, they were told that they can no longer, you know, get the dues, the members' dues paid automatically from their paychecks. And so that's going to hurt union efforts on the part of teachers. But first responders and police unions did not face the same kind of fate from the political class, uh, ruling class in this in the state where their uh, union dues were gone after. So that, you know, teachers union are going to have a harder time trying to navigate such a thing, whereas the unions that support politically the right, you know, like police unions, are not following are not falling under that same pressure. Eight one three two three nine nine six six three is a number called. Just want to gauge your attitudes towards the economy and towards democracy itself, where we're headed, and we're seeing these kinds of efforts in other countries around the world. Uh, when it comes to the micro crisis, democratic led cities are were you know used by Republican states where people like this governor of Florida was sending bus busloads of migrants to uh, northern cities or sanctuary cities, basically to wag a finger in their face and say, "See, you should have never called yourself a sanctuary city because now we're going to send them." all of the problems your way so that we don't have to deal with it here in Florida or in Texas. And But now those Democratic cities are spending taxpayer dollars on bus, planes, and train tickets for migrants to move on to other places. Nearly half of the 27,000 migrants who arrived in Denver uh, since November of last year have received a ticket from the city to travel onward. In New York and Illinois, taxpayer dollars are also being spent on tickets out of town, creating a shuffle of migrants in the interior U.S. who need shelter, food, and medical assistance as they await rulings on their asylum cases. Uh, and this has happened as illegal border crossings topped 2 million during the government's fiscal year that ended in September, the second highest number on record. But instead of, you know, the entire political system working together, it set, set off uh, a war based on red and blue states as to who's going to help and who isn't. And it's just creating an internal mobilization right now. So Republicans don't solve problems. They increase them. The, the transfer of migrants has gained momentum since the Republican governors in Texas and Florida started chartering buses. And they also use taxpayer dollars to do that. The Florida governor, governor is not being forthcoming about how 
he's gathered together monies to to utilize for these types of of basically bribes that he's been using during his campaign to beef up his presidential run uh not explaining to the to the voters exactly where he's getting all the money how much he's using he doesn't even tell us how you know he's traveling around and uh, what is his travel plans his uh what he's been very keeping all of that below the belt not really communicating with you and me the voter as to what all he's spending and what he's up to but we know that he's used a great deal of taxpayer funds to send these flights and these are unnecessary flights because some he went to texas and got a a, a group of people and then you know had them flown up to new york and now new york is trying to figure out how to navigate that theatrical that stunt those political stunts that he was engaging in but many migrants and shelters are are living on the street and the next phase of the challenge is getting them to their families friends or court cases so it was really you know about giving humanity looking at people's humanity and giving them their day in court giving them their ability to have their asylum cases heard uh, and not shuttered around the united states and uh, hopefully they find some place to stay instead of on the street. And now these democratic cities are, are really struggling, trying to figure out how to maintain some kind of humanitarian response, as opposed to what we saw in the last president, where the attorney general just separated people from their children, kept the children in cages, sent the parents back across the border, and um, everybody is stuck where they are until they get some kind of redress. And a lot of kids don't even remember their families. They were so young when they were ripped away from their parents. Uh, but we got to continue to keep watch on what's happening in the migrant crisis and whether or not we're going to have more of a humanitarian response as time goes on. 813-239-9663 is the number to call. I just want to gauge your attitude based on a lot of the public surveys that we've been watching and a lot of the economic issues we've been watching and just want to know how do you feel about the economy and the concept of democracy itself 813-239-9663 is the number to call if you want to join the discussion and have some input into what is happening and like i mentioned earlier voters are trying to maintain their ability to have access to the ballot box and to have some impact on the direction of law, especially after it's been uh, so skewed and on the right. Uh, the abortion issue is one of those issues. Voters back abortion rights, but some foes won't relent. And the uh, question is the commitment to democracy in question, especially around that issue. The statewide battles over abortion since the Supreme Court overturned the constitutional right to abortion have exposed that another fault line in this country, and that's the commitment to democracy. So we're, we're trying to gauge those attitudes today. What is the commitment to democracy here in this moment and in this time? And uh, we've seen voters try to access the ballot 
and uh, through the referendum process, but we've seen the ruling class do whatever they could to make that impossible or to overthrow the will of the voter. 813-239-9663 is the number to call if you want to join me in a discussion here on Community Speaks in the last 10 minutes that we have. Uh, just want to gauge attitudes because there's so many things happening in your name right now and uh, a lot of politics being played and uh, we, we're trying to make sense of it all, but we have, we're pretty clear on what direction there are those who want to take this world, and that is to do away with democracy, to do away with the voice of the people. And um, you know, it's also a sad day because we're, we're still looking at, uh, still reeling from the death of, of Jimmy Carter's wife, Rosalind Carter, and uh, it's kind of sad because, you know, he's 99 years old and now he faces life alone without her. She was quite a woman and uh, she, you know, part of some landmarks and notable events in her life. Uh, she was uh, very outspoken and uh, she was very she was committed to Jimmy Carter and stood by his side all the way to the end. And uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how Jimmy Carter continues to fare. And uh, he's gone into hospice care himself. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're thoughts about the ex-president, Jimmy Carter. You know, he was there at the time of the Mario Boat lift when many Cubans were sent away from Cuba to the shores of the United States. And uh, one, you know, you know, the people had no place to go. So Jimmy Carter, you know, saw to it that their humanity was remembered. Um, and uh, we are, you know, I'm thinking about him right now as he's mourning the death of Rosalind Carter, his wife. We're going to go to Susan and uh, see what Susan has to add to the conversation. Just gauging attitudes about the economy and democracy itself. Go ahead, Susan. You're on Community Speaks. Hey, um, I've listened to you before, so I just kind of thought I'd weigh in. So here's the thing. Um, I'm a former teacher and a retired psychotherapist. I'm a trauma specialist. Mm -hmm. So I study human nature. And um, frankly, I think a lot of what's going on is people are just so caught up in their egos, unfortunately, and their mm -hmm. need for power and their power struggles and whatever, yada, 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 that they're not paying attention to what's right in front of their nose. And it's unfortunate. Because that's how wars happen. That's how all the poverty happens. I'm going to fix the income myself. And it's, it's very difficult, you know, living that way. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think if people could just get over themselves, hmm. if they could try to look at the big picture instead of looking at their own little agenda, hidden or not, maybe some of these things would actually get better because there are a lot of wonderful, good, awesome people in the world. You just don't hear about them. Right. You hear about the ones that have the mouths, and those are the ones that are generally driving everything. But, yeah, you know, I, I just really wish that people could wake up, although God forbid you get woke in this state. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, just if people could just wake up and yeah. instead of pushing for what their personal agenda is, which they think is going to help them the most, try taking a look at, at your neighbor, look in their eyes. People don't look in people's eyes anymore. They don't listen. They don't look in their eyes. Actually look at the person beside you and see this is a human being, too, that has the same needs and wants and everything else that you do. And we're all in this boat together. 
So it's either sink or swim, and it looks like the state's going down. <laughs> But it seems like you, mean, you might be the perfect person to get some perspective on this, and that is that cruelty is the point yeah. for some circles, and that's crazy. I know, I know. And I don't understand cruelty, honestly. I understand it from a perspective, psychological perspective. I understand why people are doing what they're doing. I understand their little personality disorders. A lot of things, honestly, I think most things go back to unresolved trauma. And hmm. if people could just look inside of themselves and start looking at where they need to heal instead of pointing fingers at the rest of the world, because that's what people do. They don't ever say, oh, golly, gee whiz, where am I responsible? What yeah. can I do to clean this mess up? No, it's always somebody else's fault. It's always pointing fingers at the other, the other, the other. But there is no us and them. It's all just us. Right. It's all just us. Right. So, you know, sometimes I just, I listen to these things on the radio, and sometimes I really feel like I just need to say something for whoever may be listening, if yeah. anybody is listening. Yeah. This sounds really dorky, and it's really old-fashioned, and I don't care. But love really is the answer to everything. Right. Hatred and anger and bitterness and getting back at everybody and, oh, you did this to me, so now I'm going to do it to you. That doesn't help. Right. It doesn't help. All these political aspirations, it's not about abortion. It's about women's rights to their own body. Right. But a lot of women don't even seem to understand this. So if they're taking our rights away and taking our rights away. It's the free state of Florida. Uh-huh. Free for who? Who exactly is it free for? I'm a minority, and I'm a minority that needs to keep my mouth shut because there's a lot of hatred going on, and it's scary. So I kind of don't advertise now what I am and what minority I am. It's kind of scary, and the illustrious, you know, uh, governor doesn't call out any of this. But he would if he thought it was going to get him both. Exactly. You know, whichever way the wind blows. And I don't mean that in a negative, horrible way. It's just, you know, sometimes you got to start rewriting history and tell the truth. And right. if people would actually tell the truth instead of rewriting history to suit their own version, maybe things would get better. Because I still, I'm idealistic. I'm rose-colored glasses. I think That's people fine. are good. I think people are good. I think that, that the world is not going to hell in a handbasket. No. I think there's just things are falling apart so the new energy can come in. I don't do therapy. Yeah, I think anymore. the young people. I do, um, I do energy healing work, so everything is about energy, you know? Yeah, I like that. I like that. And I hope the young people are going to send a message louder, because just as they did on the abortion issue in, in Ohio recently. Thank you, yeah. Susan. Some of them are. Yeah, and thank you. Thank you for doing what you're doing. <laughs> you're welcome. I'll keep doing it. Okay, good for you. <laughs> Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Gonna go to Bonnie James. She's a social activist, and you're going to have the last word. Go ahead, Bonnie James. You say what here on Community Speaks? I, I, I'm a community activist for years for equality, reproductive rights, and public education, And, and now I find myself as a political candidate because we all have to do what we can at this moment in time. I never thought of myself as even a community activist. And your last caller said it so eloquently. I, I've been accused of my rose-colored glasses and <laughs> believing in the good of people. But that's good. 
And and that's where we have to be right now. We have to all be fighting for the good of people, all people, the equality of people, and regardless of your faith, how passionate you are about your faith, we have to remember that other people are equally as passionate about their faith, and we have to take faith out of legislation Mm -hmm. because we're never going to have equality for all with faith in the government. And I started in public education finding my voice because of the hurt I saw in my teacher's eyes. And that teacher was my sister's, you know, and I had to speak up for them. And what I saw was being wrong by the LGBTQ community and having to come out and identify as a bisexual woman because of the hate in the community and fear that someone was going to come out and spread hate against me because of a failed relationship in my past, regardless of the successful marriage and healing and journey I've been on. I had to jump in and risk full transparency for every mistake I've ever made in order to share full love and a fight for democracy at this moment in time. Hmm. That scares me. Hmm. I lost my voice and was arrested for 1.7 ounces of cotton fabric on private property Charged with felony battery on a Leo. Arrested in front of my daughter and grandson. And they were traumatized by a system that's broken. It is all in right now. And we cannot let hate. We cannot let this putrid destruction of our democracy, our freedoms, our values. Our community values be destroyed right now. You have to stand up in whatever manner you can. And it's scary standing up in this great state of Florida right now. It is. but We We have to stand against misinformation, disinformation. And as passionate as we are for democracy... We have to meet in the middle, and it's not us and them anymore. It's not red and blue. It is humanity. It is love. It is it is our state's resources. It is it is everything that people used to come to Florida and say, wow, those are the nicest people I've ever met. <laughs> uh, hopefully, we'll get back to that. And uh, like I said, you're right. It is about... Our humanity. Thank you for joining me here on Community Speaks. We're going to be back next week to talk more about all of these.